Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advised fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. Hello, America, and happy Tuesday. A busy time. Congress is back from its holiday break, and boy, the town here in Washington is buzzing. One of the people making it buzz extra loud today, Senator Tommy Tuberville, the Republican from Alabama, the former great college football coach. He uh, has been holding his ground, holding up all military generals and admirals and others from advancement until the military drops a policy that allows taxpayers or forces taxpayers to pay for abortions or for military members to travel to a state where abortion is legal or to their preference. He has been holding line and putting what is called a hold on all military nominations. It's getting to a crescendo Today, Senator Chuck Schumer took a shot at him. The Democrats are accusing him of all sorts of things, including risking the Marines because the current Marine commandant who's been nominated can't take over today. But you know what? There's a deputy commandant. He's in charge. The Marines are just fine. I'm pretty sure they're not wayward. I know Marines. They do their job no matter the circumstance. But the politics is really heated up, which suggests that Senator Tupperville really has the attention of the Democrats, and he really is sticking to his guns in ways that we haven't seen senators often do. We're going to be very lucky. We're going to hear from the man in the middle of that maelstrom right now. Senator Tommy Tupperville is going to join us in just a few minutes. He's going to explain why he's doing what he's doing, what's the issue, what are some of the falsehoods being lobbied against him or lobbed against him, and you're going to get to hear directly what he's doing, what he's trying to do. He's one of the largest voices arguing against wokeness in the military. And he says the polling, and he's right about this, the polling is on his side. We'll see. what That's going to be a really fun interview. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to turn to a frequent guest of this show, Jason Foster, the founder of the Empower Oversight Whistleblower Center. Before that, one of the great investigators in Senate, recent Senate history for Chuck Grassley. He's been working with whistleblowers really for three decades and effectively so, bringing to light many things that Americans didn't know about. He and the Whistleblower Center represent... IRS supervisor agent Gary Shapley, the famous whistleblower that's at the middle of the Hunter Biden tax scandal, tax controversy, and he's going to bring us up to speed. And I want to point out something because the U.S. attorney in Delaware, the holdover Trump prosecutor who's been running the Hunter Biden case, he's been dropping these little letters trying to create the perception that what the IRS agents are saying isn't true. But actually, in many of his letters, he's actually affirming what the whistleblowers have said. He's just using bureaucratic speak to do that. And we're going to walk through that with Jason Foster. But I want to point out one document. We're going to we're going to raise it with Jason Foster in a second. But 
it's a really important document because at the core of this, what the Weiss and his team are saying in the sort of cryptic and narrowed responses they're giving to Congress is, I had full authority to bring the charges. Nobody stopped me from doing what I'm doing. And I'm happy with what I did. I'm fine with what I did. There's just a very important document that the House Ways and Means Committee made public quite some time ago, more than a month ago. And it really raises some serious questions about what Weiss is trying to say, because there's some confusion and something doesn't make sense on the, on the forefront of this. And I'm going to explain in a second what I mean. So basically the impression right now that David Weiss, the U.S. attorney in Delaware, the chief prosecutor for the Hunter Biden case is saying is I'm comfortable with where we are. No one blocked me from doing what I wanted to do. And that's really fascinating, except one thing. There's something really important to understand The documents that Gary Shapley gave to Congress includes a summary of the case. It's a case file, essentially, describing the prosecution and what is going on there. And in that document, a very important document, you see that it's memorialized back in a conclusions and recommendations section. And I'm just going to read it to you. This is the document that says that back in 2022, the U.S. Attorney's Office signed off on the idea of charging Hunter Biden with tax felonies for tax years 14, 18, and 19, and then for misdemeanors for 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. In other words, a whole lot more charges than he ultimately is facing right now in the plea deal he got. Now, in this document, it makes clear that Weiss's office and the main Justice Department signed off on this approach. Let me just read it to you. A draft of this report has been given to DOJ Tax Senior Attorney Mark Daly, as well as Assistant United States Attorney Leslie Wolf. AOSA Wolf has reviewed the appendices and the charges cited in this report and agrees with the prosecution recommendation of the above cited charges against Hunter Biden. Wolf is really the top prosecutor working under Weiss in this case. It means Weiss's office signed off on going with a big, broad indictment that included charging Hunter Biden with tax evasion related to his Burisma payments from Ukraine in 2014. So this is when when people see this document and they realize it, there's a very important question that Weiss has not answered. If you were fully in charge and you had no problem, you could bring the charges where, why would your office sign off on an indictment that would charge Hunter Biden back all the way to 14, multiple felonies, and then not bring that case, instead bring a smaller case. What happened? And did the U.S. attorneys in Washington, Los Angeles, decline and influence your behavior? Did you not press the case forward more? But if you signed off on it and didn't do it, I think the American public wanted an explanation from David Weiss, and thus far, they haven't got it. And I want to point that out. Now, while that's going on, there's a second revelation about the Hunter Biden case that I also think is very important. And I just want to get to the heart of this because I do think it's very, very important. Chuck Grassley, the senator from Iowa, made this public yesterday in a letter to Weiss. He pointed out that Weiss's office was briefed two weeks before the 2020 election that the FBI had allegations from an informant suggesting Joe Biden was involved in a bribery scheme with a Ukrainian business interest. That means two weeks before we voted, the FBI informant and his allegation were brought to the U.S. attorney, David Weiss. And the question that Chuck Grassley asked is, what did you do with it? By the way, Leslie Wolf, the woman mentioned in the other document, she's mentioned in this one as well. She's the one who attended the briefing along with FBI agents in the Baltimore field office, which 
kind of runs the FBI operations for Delaware because Delaware is such a small state. These are really important things. And, and Grassley asked six very important questions of Weiss. When did he learn about the briefing? Did they take any steps to investigate the bribery allegations? Why weren't the IRS agents who were working this case not brought in, even though it involved Burisma, an item they were looking up? Does the scope of the Weiss probe include this criminal scheme, or was it taken from him? Has Weiss taken any steps to recover the alleged audio recordings and evidence that the informant claims to have access to? Those are huge, huge questions. And I think what you walk away from when we talk to Jason Foster is uh, David Weiss, yes, a Trump holder, yes, the current U.S. attorney in uh, Delaware, his story and what we now know are two very different, a lot of conflicts. There are some differences, and it seems as though the American people are going to demand they're going to get answers. Maybe we'll get some answers from Jason Foster as part of that. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to start off with an exclusive interview with Senator Tony Tomerville from Alabama, followed by Jason Foster, one of the lawyers for the IRS whistleblowers. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.US slash Just News. That's AMAC.US forward slash Just News. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of Pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't. You'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. I'm really excited to have this next guest on. He is at the forefront of one of the biggest fights in Congress right now. Years and years have gone on where the military basically gets its ways. And if it's social engineering, well, they do it. If it's something else they want, they get it done. Senator Tommy Tuberville is there fighting for his principles. He told his voters what he was going to do, and now he's standing firm. The Democrats are starting to get a little flustered by this. We're lucky to have the great coach and now Senator Tommy Tuberville on the show. Senator, coach, good to have you on. John, glad to be here. Thanks for letting me uh, speak my piece. Well, we want to do that because we can tell now the Democrats that you have their attention. They are fully engaged now. I want to start with the holds and why it's important, why you're doing what you're doing. And people say, oh, you're putting the Marines at jeopardy. No, you're not. There's plenty of people running the Marines right now. Tell us what's at the heart of this. What drives you to do this right now and what the benefit is to the American people? Well, the, the benefit, John, is is somebody's fighting for the taxpayers of this country. And 60 percent of the people in this country are against taxpayer money going to abortion. So that at this time last year, we found out that the after Roe Wade went down to states, the, uh, this administration was looking for any possible way in the federal government to do abortions. We've had an abortion policy for 35 years in the military. Joe Biden voted for it. It's a law and saying that you can only have an abortion in the military because of the three exceptions. And uh, uh, it's worked perfect for 35 years and no complaints. Well, after Roe Wade went down, it made the Democrats mad. So this heck, we're going to just start changing federal policy to help federal employees. And so they did it in the military. But I told them now, I said, you do this. I'm going to put a hold on all your admirals and generals. And we need to work this out. I mean, the American taxpayer doesn't deserve this. 60% of the country is against this. Well, they did it anyway. So I've had a hold on all their generals and admirals for the last five months. Now, things. One is about taxpayers paying for anything to do with an abortion. The other is uh, the White House and the Pentagon legislating and changing the law that was passed here in the Senate, but changing the law by memo. Uh, it didn't go through Congress. We didn't vote for it. And I told them, here's, here's how we can get out of this. You can move the policy back the way it was, get a law up the way you want it, let the Democrats bring it to the floor, and let the American people have a say-so through their representatives. Of course, they don't want that because I don't know whether it would pass. I really don't. It, but that's their that's their responsibility. But the American people need to have a say about this. We don't need dictatorship in the White House, and, and they are becoming dictators. Uh, the next thing they're going to do, if we allow this to happen, they might say, hey, you know, we're only going to allow churches to be open one day a month. I mean, we can't allow them to start doing the laws and delegating authority from the White House and the E-ring of the Pentagon. You would think that Congress would like the idea that, hey, we should vote on imposing policy because that's exactly what the Founding Fathers gave Congress the ability to do. They're afraid to have this vote, aren't they? They're afraid to have it because it's an election year coming up. They know they'd have some bad votes. This is not about protecting the military. This is not about doing what's right for the American citizen. It's about the Democrats making sure that they give everything possible to their senators that are up for re-election next year, that they don't have a bad vote on abortion because someone would have to vote uh, against this policy. And it's all about power, John. That's, that's everything up here. And I'm holding it up for the taxpayer. I'm, you know, listen, I love the military. There's nobody. My dad was career military. He died in the military. He landed at Normandy at age 18, drove a tank across Europe uh, in World War II. Uh, there's nobody that likes the military more than me. 
but I love our country and our Constitution, and I'm up here to represent the taxpayers and the citizens of Alabama and all over the country, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I want to ask a little bit about the two parties. We know where the Democrats are. Their cards are on the table. What sort of support or lack of support do you get from your colleagues on the Republican side? You know, I've got uh, several. I would, I would probably now, I've been what we call uh, unanimous consent uh, challenged on the floor 11 times now by Democrats. And I usually go up by myself and, and object to it, which means that they can't change what I'm doing unless I don't show up. Okay. But uh, you know, Mike Lee's been very good. Uh, Roger Marshall's been very good. Uh, Teddy Vance has helped out. We, we've had several. Uh, I wish we had more uh, because, uh, you know, we're Republicans. We're conservatives. We're supposed to be the pro-life party. Uh, and I think we, we, you know, if we had 49 Republicans go to the floor and say enough's enough, you know, we want to vote on the floor, it would happen uh, almost immediately. Uh, but Unfortunately, you know, we've got uh, we've got people on our side that say we don't we don't really support what coach is doing. And that's fine. That, that's their that's their opinion, you know, because they're representing the people from their states and their people from their states should should look at their decisions. And that's what that's how you either get elected uh, or unelected. So uh, I've got no qualms with anybody. I can control what I do. And again, I didn't come up here to do anything other than help the citizens of this country. Yeah. And I think that they see that now. There are all sorts of different lines of attack on this one is, oh, the military's in jeopardy if it doesn't have a Marine commandant for a few days. Are you pretty confident the Marines can handle this for a few days? I had General Smith, uh, the, the deputy Marine commandant in my office uh, before the 4th of July. We spent about an hour talking. He's the, he's the, air, he's the guy that has moved up. Matter of fact, they had his induction ceremony yesterday uh, to be the commandant. And I, I told him, I said, you know what I'm doing? I got holes. He said, coach, this can be handled. You do what you need to do. We'll do what we need to do. And there, there's no problem. There, these, these spots are filled. Uh, and, and I hate it. Again, I hate it for the, for the families. I hate it, you know, for some of the generals and admirals that uh, are not getting that extra star. But there's no holes that are un, un, unfilled. Uh, readiness is not a problem. Uh, I got a huge problem with our military with how woke we're, we're, we're becoming and how many recruits we're losing. Uh, we're, we're only, the Marines are the only group that is going to reach their recruiting uh, goals this year. Everybody else is going to be short. Something's going wrong. And I'll tell you what, the American people are not sending their young men and women to be in the military now because they don't want them to be part of a woke socialist military. And that's exactly where we're headed. Yeah, you can see it. And you can talk to recruits. And we've gone out and interviewed people that were thinking of uh, joining. And they're like, oh, not now, maybe another time, but I'm not to get involved in this. And it really is having a profound effect. The Army way behind, I think like 40% behind. It is a you know critical crisis that this administration has created. I want to turn to something that Senator Schumer is accusing you of today. And I, I find it kind of silly, but all the media, the mainstream media, are picking up on it. They're saying, hey, you don't think that the term white nationalist, I think that's the term, necessarily means racism. I want you to defend yourself because the media is just running this and they're really not giving your say. You're pretty clear about where you stand on this. Well, I mean, exactly. And of course, this is a democratic term, you know, the white, the white nationalists or white extremists. And, you know, first of all, of course, I reject white nationalism or racism of any kind. You know, I was a football coach, John, for going on 40 years. I work with mostly minorities, you know, and I've raised more young men 
than most of these people up here combined. Uh, but white nationalism is racist. So I completely reject white nationalism. I want to get that very, very, very wrong to you. White nationalists have no place in our military. Now, after January the 6th, we spent millions of dollars going through two million of our uh, military personnel across the country. That was the first thing uh, Secretary Austin did. We spent millions of hours of training, and they come up with two million, uh, within two million enlisted people, a hundred of them, they asked to leave the military. One hundred. And so uh, I don't think we have a huge problem there. So, But I'm going to tell you, John, you know, it's it's just unfortunate the direction we're headed with this. And again, I want to repeat this. I reject any type of racism, but I am sick and tired of Democrats unfairly throwing that term around when it's not true. Because they, what they do is they throw it around at all Christians, all conservatives, all Republicans, and Donald Trump supporters. That's what they call all of us. And that's what I was fighting back against. We are not, we are supporters of this country, of the Constitution, of the people that love our military, that love the Constitution. And I am sick and tired of the Democrats pointing the finger at us and basically saying, you know, all of them are racist. All of them are white nationalists. And that is not true. That is certainly not true. It won't ever be true. Uh, but it's offensive. Chuck Schumer should be ashamed of himself of what he did on the floor today, mixing up words and saying, I should come and apologize, something like that, to the to all senators. No, he should apologize. Number one, he should apologize for his poor leadership. And I'm going to tell you, John, I've been here almost three years, and there's a hundred of us on, in the Senate. Pretty powerful position. When you're the leader of the Senate, you're all you're the leader of all people, Republicans and Democrats. John, I have never been introduced or talked to Chuck Schumer in three almost three years. Now, don't you think about it. that's how how bad a leader this guy is. I've never spoken a word to him, and he's going to run me down like that. Let me tell you something. He's been here forever, and he's in charge of this woke wokeness that's that's going across this country. He's responsible for this $32 trillion in debt we're in. He's in charge of this uh, soft border that we have, the crime going on. Leaders are here to lead, not to run for office every year, pat themselves on the back, tell their cronies, I'm the, I've been in the Senate for forever, run around with all his dead black SUVs and Secret Service agents or whoever they are, and I, I'm sick of that. And so... Uh, he needs to apologize to the American people of how he has screwed this country up. You are working on so many issues, and, and you really take this job seriously, particularly when it comes to national security. A group of House Republicans and you and others are working together to really protect the privacy of Americans' data from China. There's a particular company you've had a tremendous amount of concern about, Prometheum, I think it's called. Tell us about the progress made there with the new legislation with Congressman Donald's Loudermilk, Ralph Norman, and others. Uh, this is a pretty important issue. A lot of Americans don't know about it. It's really important, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, and, you know, China's an adversary. You know, they got as many problems as we got now, their, their economy. And, and you know, they're trying to find ways to, to come up with all the money that they're spending all over the world. They're building their military. But you're exactly right. I've been, and we've all been very concerned 
uh, for a long time of the direction that they're taking in terms of of uh, digital currency securities. And we talked about six, seven months ago about uh, the possibility of them coming in and buying up our digital exchanges uh, because, you know, we're just now getting into this business. And, and because of that, you know, we need to make sure that we got enough regulation in place to where we can block China from coming in. Now, China's they're go, they've gone in 10 years from 10,000 acres of farmland to 400,000 almost acres of farmland. Uh, and so here they come now, and they're wanting to get in to our security, our, our digital exchanges. And so Promethium is a company that basically sold part of their exchange to a Chinese company. Now, they didn't do the due diligence. I think it's, I think it's 20% of, of what they bought. Now, 0% is perfect. 1% is too much. We got to keep China out of our business. But we continue to have have uh, people selling, you know, parts of their company to the Chinese. We're going to problems down the road. Yeah. And so right now you've asked the SEC chair to investigate some testimony, right? Because you fear that maybe investors in Prometheum have been misled. Have you gotten a reaction back from the Securities and Exchange Commission yet? No, as you said, you know, they had Prometheum, uh, some of their big wigs and a hearing before the uh, 4th of July, uh, they weren't quite correct in the hearing of what they said. And we, we, we contradicted several things that they didn't admit to. And so that they will be called back and, uh, and, and we'll get to the bottom of it. But again, it's just, it's, that sounds like a little thing, but it's not, you know, digital exchanges are nothing but banks, you know, for all. And uh, it's, it's not going anywhere, and we got to make sure that China is, doesn't have their hands in everything that we're doing when it comes to crypto. Yeah, it's such it's the next future of our economy, and you can see the Chinese are moving in quickly. Senator, it's such a great honor to have you on. I really appreciate taking the time explaining what's going on. I think all of our listeners understand things a lot better after hearing from you. What a great honor to have you on today. Well, thank you, John, for having me on, and God bless, and uh, hopefully— uh, we can get everything back going again, but our country's in trouble. So people ask me, Coach, what can we do? Get on your hands and knees and pray every time you go home at night for our country because we're in pretty bad trouble right now. That's some pretty good advice, and a lot of the great leaders of this country did exactly that in moments of crisis, so it is great advice. Senator, thank you so much. Thank you, John. God bless you, sir. All right, folks, a big thank you to the Senator. We'll be right back with our interview with Jason Foster right after these messages. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens 
can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Angie's List is now Angie, A-N-G-I, the nation's largest home services marketplace. And they're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project is, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. That's what you want, right? I'm uh, thinking about building out my basement in my cabin. I've been perusing Angie, looking for just the right contractor to get it done the way my wife and I want it done. Now, Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and right in your neighborhood. That's important, right? You can do comparative shopping. Get started today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today. The app and the website are free to use. Angie.com or the Angie app. Go check it out today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As I mentioned at the top of the show, U.S. Attorney David Weiss in Delaware is dancing on the head of a pin. He is trying to thread a very uh, careful needle in trying to push back against the IRS whistleblowers that we've talked about so much in the show. But the problem is there is a very strong body of evidence that supports what supervisory agent Gary Shapley and his colleague, the still unnamed second whistleblower, have given Congress. It isn't just their recollections. There are some incredible documents that really pin down what the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware did and didn't do. We've got the perfect guest to walk us through this. He is the founder of the Empower Oversight Whistleblower Center and one of the lawyers working with Gary Shapley. He joins us, our good friend, Jason Foster. Jason, welcome back to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me again. It is great to have you on because we always get facts. I mean, I, I love spin. Uh, people will give you spin, but you're always really focused on facts. And that's why you were such a successful Senate investigator and such a great representative for all the whistleblowers now assisting Congress. There's a really fascinating thing that Weiss is doing here. He's trying to make it look like there's a conflict in what he did and what Gary Shapley testified to. But it's really kind of smoke and mirrors. There is a very strong body of evidence. If David Weiss is to be believed in what he's told Congress now, he always had the authority to bring the charges going back to 2014. That's where he's staked out his position. But he recommended in his office, recommended moving forward with those charges and then didn't bring them. Am I misreading the, the, the factual basis for this? No, absolutely not. That's that's correct. He, um, you know, whatever he and uh, Mr. Garland, the attorney general, have said publicly, um, you know, eventually the facts are going to have to uh, uh, have to come to the fore. And the facts are that, you know, despite all the assurances to Congress that they would make sure that there were no Biden political appointees involved in the investigation and decision to prosecute 
uh, Mr. Biden's son, that is in fact what they did. They they went to the um, D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. They delayed going and pitching it to the California U.S. Attorney's Office until uh, after there was no longer an acting career person there, and they had a, a confirmed political appointee from Mr. Biden um, in that district. So there's going to be mountains um, of corroborating evidence that that occurred and that those U.S. Attorney's Offices, head, headed by political appointees who owed their jobs to the subject's father, um, you know, declined to allow Weiss to bring um, to bring charges in those districts. So I mean, Weiss has had a um, sort of um, evolving set of descriptions of these things, and he's written three different letters to Congress since since June 7th. Um, and in his latest one, he is making this distinction that somehow, well, maybe they misunderstood, maybe the whistleblowers misunderstood the difference between uh, the technical difference between a special counsel and a special attorney. One is a based on regulations in the Justice Department that they were supposed to keep people, um, uh, you know, who are, have a conflict of interest away from a case. And the other one is just sort of a ministerial thing that's authorized in statute that allows people to, to have the authority to bring a, a case outside their geographical jurisdiction, which Weiss has now admitted he was not allowed to do, as the whistleblower said from the beginning. So, but that distinction is really irrelevant to anything that matters. Either way, whether it was whether he told that group of FBI and IRS senior leaders on October 7th of 2022 that he had sought special counsel authority or whether he said he sought special attorney authority, it, it doesn't matter because both either authority would have allowed him to bring the charges in D.C., for example, without the permission of the D.C. U.S. attorney. But, of course, what he, what he told those, uh, those uh, senior leaders of the investigation on that day was that he had attempted to do that. They had said no, and he was denied that special authority. So whatever you call it, he told them on that day that he was denied it, and that is not consistent with his multiple letters to Congress with various you know, smoke screens and distractions. And it's important on a couple of fronts because the documentary evidence really backs up Gary Shapley and his colleague on this. First, let's start with the evidence that there was really evidence that the Justice Department could bring of tax crimes in 2014. There's an email from Eric Schwerwin. I've made this public long ago on the laptop. We corroborated with officials at the time that as late as 2017, January 2017, just before Donald Trump was taking office, Eric Schwerwin, sort of the accountant business partner of Hunter Biden, was telling me you still haven't paid taxes on about $400,000 of Burisma income. You need to amend it and do that. Now, Gary Shapley came on the show, said he still, to this day, Hunter Biden still hasn't paid those taxes. The evidence to bring a charge in 2014 was still very strong at that point, correct? And in fact, it was it was so... It was so strong that even Leslie Wolf, who's the who's the AUSA, who uh, Gary Shapley testified uh, was sort of most resistant to any line of inquiry that might lead to the big guy or Joe Biden or right or dad or whatever they call it, whatever euphemism they used to call him. Uh, she was the most vocal in in stopping and even tipping off the defense on several occasions. So, and yet even Leslie Wolf uh, concurred. Uh, with the recommendation memo from the agents that, that, the, that the 2014 years should be charged and that they should be charged as felonies, uh, and that, uh, and despite all the other you know smoke screens that are being that are being thrown around out there right now, you know that document hasn't gotten a lot of attention, but it's in the transcript that the Ways and Means Committee released. There's a portion of the of the recommendation memo that specifically says AUSA Wolf 
reviewed the appendices and the charges cited in this report and agrees with prosecution recommendations of the above cited charges against RHB um, Hunter Biden. So, so even even the person who was resisting uh, anything that led to the big guy, she agreed that these and and she is of course. You know, she's not going to make that agreement without consulting. She's she is Weiss's agent in those discussions, uh, right? She is the she's the primary person at the ground level. She's the person who uh, Gary Shapley would have had the most interactions with, the most frequently on the prosecution team. Um, and so, you know, they're not going to write a letter like they're not going to write a charging uh, recommendation like that if she didn't agree, and she wouldn't have agreed and put that in, and allowed them to put that in writing if she didn't have Weiss's agreement. So then the question becomes for Weiss. Why on earth would, if he had the authority to bring the charges, this magic golden ticket that was never written down, apparently, by Merrick Garland, that he could, bring t- he could bring charges wherever he wanted, whatever he wanted, then why did he not do so after uh, they had taken it to the uh, politically appointed Biden U.S. attorney in, in D.C. and these key years with these felonies that they agreed should be charged, they weren't allowed to bring them in D.C. So if he had the authority to bring them over D.C. U.S. attorney's objections, the question is, why didn't he do that? And this is the kind of question that he's able to avoid and dance around when he's sending these letters up to Congress where he's not subject to cross-examination. You know, the whistleblowers were subject to 14 hours of cross-examination by both sides on Capitol Hill. Weiss hasn't been subject to one minute of cross-examination yet, because if he and if and when he is subject to cross-examination, He'll have to answer for these substantive decisions. If, if he, you know, why did you allow the statute of limitations to run on these key years? Um, it, you know, this is obviously this is the most controversial Burisma income years. Um, and uh, so allowing that to run, allowing the statute of limitations to run means that they can never go back and require that, that those taxes be paid and they can never hold Hunter Biden accountable for not having reported and paid, reported the income and paid the taxes. Yeah. Yep. That is a really important point. I think his story doesn't add up. If he signed off and his office signed off on the prosecutions, and by the way, when you read Gary Shapley's testimony, it's clear that he's in meetings with Weiss where they're talking about proceeding with the prosecution of the full case, meaning going back to 2014. So beyond Wolf on paper signing off on it in that memo, there are meetings where the agents have Weiss himself in the room, and he's pursuing the bigger case. He just wants the U.S. attorneys in Washington or L.A. to bring the charges if they would. If he had the authority, as he claims, and he signed off on it and he didn't do it, that is a really big question for Congress to get to the bottom of. Is there any explanation? Well, the timing, the timing is really interesting there, John, because, you know, the, 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 the October 7th, 2022 red line meeting, what Gary calls the red line meeting, where he learned he learned for the first time that, you know, uh, and, and documented it in a contemporaneous email that why said, hey, I'm not the I, I'm not actually the person making the decision about whether to charge here. You know, we have to follow the process. You know, that's what that's what set this whole process in motion of Gary going to blow the whistle. Well, in October of 2022, um, you know, those charges for the 2014 years, those were still possible to be brought. There was a tolling agreement with the defense about uh, the statute of limitations. And um, they, but, you know, after that meeting, when he's, when he knows he can't bring it uh, via DC, that's the time he should have, you know, he's publicly saying, look, I was never turned down. Well, did you ask, why wouldn't you ask for special counsel authority at that point? 
that's when you, you know, he, he says in all of his letters, you know, I, I would always have that authority if it were needed. Well, it was needed in October of 2022 because the statute of limitations was going to run out on those key years with those felonies. And then that, so then that leaves the, the huge burning question, why didn't he bring the charges? Why didn't he ask? And if he had the authority, why didn't he bring the charges? If he didn't have the authority, why didn't he ask for the authority? Yeah, there's such an important thing. And the only reason the statute of limitations were extended beyond that, because the, the charges go back to 2014, was that there was a tolling agreement in place, correct? Is that, do I understand the testimony correctly? That's right. And the, so what typically happens is a defense, defense counsel, if they're in talks with, uh, with prosecutors, you know, and they just delay is a win for them. Any day their client isn't indicted is a win. And so if the prosecutors say, you know, well, we're still working on this, but we'd like you to agree that while we're continuing to investigate, you know, we will you'll agree to extend the statute of limitations on this because we're actively investigating it. Then every defense counsel is going to agree to that is, you know, until they think they have enough leverage to say no. And at some point, I mean, that, that's a key thing that both the inspector general of the Justice Department and Congress are going to need to get to the bottom of. How did it how did it come about who you know the, the the public needs to see all the communications about how did it come about that that statute of limitations was allowed to run? All right, folks, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back with more with our interview with Jason Foster, the founder of the Empower Oversight Whistleblower Center and a lawyer for the IRS whistleblowers at the heart of the Hunter Biden case. More after these messages. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Hey folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200 G-O-L-D, gold. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. gold Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. 
more with our interview with Jason Foster. I want to take you to another thing that we focused on this morning. Senator Chuck Grassley, been at the forefront of this for years on the Hunter Biden investigation, says that he has information, I assume, from whistleblowers, it seems like from the letter, that Leslie Wolf, again, the same deputy that's involved in these conversations with Gary Shapley, that she was briefed in October, I think like October 23rd, so two weeks before the 2020 election, October 23rd, 2020, on the FD-1023, the FBI informant who's alleging that there's a bribery scheme involving Joe Biden. So the Justice Department and specifically Weiss's office was read in and knew there was a Joe Biden allegation at that point, even as they're telling the agents like Gary Shapley, they can't ask questions about the big guy, Joe Biden. How significant a revelation is that? Uh, oh, well, it's huge because it fits right into the pattern of what Gary uh, was uh, had already testified to about um, AUSA Leslie Wolf withholding key information from the investigators. Um, so, uh, you know, we he had done a supplementary affidavit to the Ways and Means Committee when he saw the public reports that the 1023 confidential human source report had been provided to the Delaware office because he was surprised to read that in the press. Um, and because he had never been, uh, that had never been disclosed to him and his team uh, of investigators. I'm, and I've described to you before about how if anybody was going to ever investigate those claims, it would have been him and his team of investigators tracking international money. That's what they do. Um, uh, so, uh, so, you know, this new piece of information, apparently that Senator Grassley has from a whistleblower um, is that, you know, perhaps Leslie Wolf, well, Leslie Wolf was also involved in keeping uh, other information away like this because, you know, Gary had already testified that, that she was responsible for keeping um, uh, portions of the laptop away from the team. They weren't allowed to have unfettered access to everything on the Hunter Biden laptop. Now, that's normal in the sense that, you know, if there's a, if there's a, a, a filter team that takes out information that investigate that does legitimately need to be kept from investigators like attorney-client privilege, um, but even after that filter team had gone through it and after the, the rest of the contents of the laptop should have been available to the investigators who were who were working on the case, the prosecutors in Delaware, including Leslie Wolf, did not allow that to occur. So, um, you know, so it sort of fits with the pattern that she may also be have some level of responsibility for making sure that that 1023 confidential human source report about the alleged bribery scheme and the alleged tapes uh, uh, corroborating that bribery scheme. You know, why would what would be the argument for why she wouldn't allow the investigators to pursue that or even to know about it? Um, That's a question that she has to answer and that why says her supervisor has to answer. Yeah, these are big questions. And right now it seems like there is a dual message, right, which is on a few things, Mice is willing to punch and give some information on, but then he can't talk about anything else that's contradictory to him. It's got to be frustrating. It seems to me that Tristan Levitt, your colleague, uh, said on our TV show on Friday night that there could be some forthcoming public testimony by the whistleblowers. Is there anything you can tell us about that and why that might be important? It seems like the American people getting to look these whistleblowers in the eye could be a really important moment to understanding their motive, their style, their professionalism, their history as successful IRS agents. Do you think that's something that's on the front lines? Uh, sure. I mean, I can't announce anything, but I mean, uh, Gary has said all along, you know, he's happy to, to follow up and, and answer any questions he can in whatever form he can to help Congress do its job. Um, and, you know, he is committed to doing that. And, you know, he has to be careful, of course, because you have lawyers for the president's son out there 
uh, publicly accusing him of committing a crime by leaking, you know, taxpayer information allegedly illegally, which is absurd because, of course, he followed the rules and there's a specific statute that allows him to make these disclosures to Congress. Um, and, uh, you know, so he has to be careful not to cross that line because once once the stat, once the committee voted to release the transcript, then of course he, like anyone else, is free to comment on, you know, and talk about public information that's been released. But you know, if he were testifying somewhere else in a public setting, then there would be the issue of, well, if they ask him anything that goes beyond the transcript, uh, or you know, asking that calls for an answer that that for something that hasn't been released appropriately by the Ways and Means Committee, then he would have to defer those kinds of questions. So. You know, we have to deal with those issues, but, um, you know, to to the extent I mean, there's a lot out there to talk about that, as we this conversation has shown, like people haven't noticed. Right. That um, uh, and that's kind of the purpose of a good congressional hearing is to sort of explain to people the facts that you've already gathered. And these facts have been gathered by Congress and, um, you know, they need to be uh, if he can help explain and give context to those. Uh, and, the, and one of the committees can move to move the ball forward and invite him up to testify. Um, you know, then then we'll do everything we can to make sure that happens. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Last question, because uh, it's has stuck around the whole week. Uh, has there been any advancement of the conversation with The Washington Post? The Washington Post writes a story quoting Hunter Biden's defense attorney, Abby Lowell, saying, we think that Gary Shapley leaked a disparaging October 2022 story, you know, with the grievances of the agents. Gary Shapley adamantly says he doesn't. He sends a statement to Congress saying he doesn't. That statement, though it wasn't sworn per se, it doesn't matter. If you give it to Congress, you can be charged with lying to Congress. The Washington Post knows the truth, whether Gary Shapley is their source or not. Have they done anything to try to correct the record in any way? No. And in fact, the reporter who wrote the original story that cited, uh, quote, people familiar with the matter, unquote, as, you know, on the initial leak story in October of uh, October 6th of 2022, the day before Gary's red line meeting. Um, the reporter who wrote that story wrote another story, I believe, today about uh, the most the Weiss's third letter to Congress where he's trying to explain himself. Um, and, you know, at the end of that story, he repeats the Abby Lowell allegation again, knowing 100 percent that it's false without giving the reader fair notice and understanding of the context that the person writing that story is actually knows who the real source was and knows that it wasn't Gary. So, you know, I mean, that that's a problem. I understand why there are sensitivities for journalists about talking about their sources. That's a perfectly legitimate concern. But once you're covering, once you continue to cover the leak allegation, um, you know, then you're in a unique position. You're not like anybody else. Any, you're not like any other journalist covering the story because you know 100% what the truth is. And if you're not disclosing that to your readers in some way, um, you know, I mean, I think it raises real ethical issues. I mean, the, the original story, it, the, the fact that it was written in such a way that you're not giving the reader any context as to who the source could be. You're not saying it's government sources. You're not saying it's law enforcement sources. You're not saying it's not law enforcement sources. You're saying people familiar with. Well, that doesn't give the reader any anything to go on as to assess whether it's reliable. The question is, I mean, obviously, it's possible the way they wrote it that somebody on the Hunter Biden defense team could both be the unnamed source leaking to the post and the named source decrying that leak. Now, 
I can't imagine that any responsible journalist would participate in, a, in, in that kind of deception of their readers. But if he didn't, then why not write the story clearly to make sure that that possibility that your readers know that's not what's going on here? Yeah, that's it. Be more clear about who, about who your source is, at least by category, if not by identity. I think that's a really important one. Absolutely. I mean, that, that is a big question here. All journalists wrestle with this, but this is one of those cases where someone's being accused, and if the reporter knows the truth and it doesn't, they're not going to out their other sources if they say that Gary Shapley's telling the truth he wasn't our source. So it is an interesting dilemma to try to resolve. Well, it's vital. It's vital context. It's vital context for the reader to know that if you're reading a report about a claim from one of Hunter Biden's attorneys, uh, that's 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 falsely accusing someone, you know, you can't just repeat that if you have act. It's not just reckless disregard for the truth. This is actual knowledge that that charge is false, that the paper has. And they have they owe it to their readers to, to disclose that. Yeah, that sounds good. That's exactly what it is. I mean, that's I think a lot of people who've now rode this journey for a while, they're beginning to understand some of the complexities of this and also some uh, how some people are living in the ambiguities of statements. Uh, the U.S. Attorney Weiss being a good example, right? He's answering some things and leaving other things very ambiguous. That always makes Americans suspicious. I think that's why the next set of congressional hearings could be really helpful to Americans to sort through this. Jason, real quickly, if people are impressed with what Empower Oversight is doing, I mean, you guys have burst onto the scene. You're at the forefront of a lot of whistleblowers. If someone wants to support what you're doing or learn more about it, what's the best way for people on the outside to get involved and, and even support you guys if they would like? Sure. Uh, they can go to our website, empoweroversight.org. Uh, there are links there to all of our social media. We're most active on Twitter if you're trying to keep up with the ins and outs of what's going on every day. Uh, you know, but we also, uh, um, uh, there's also a donate button if people want to support and help our mission. Uh, we're here to help People report wrongdoing in the right way, legally, without illegally leaking and, and doing it according to the rules. And the rules can get complicated. So people need help doing that. And that's what we're here for. They do. And doing it the right way is so beneficial to the American public. Everybody benefits when there's a proper disclosure of something that may be involving wrongdoing or failure of the government. So folks, go check that out today. It's a very important website and a very important opportunity. Jason, always an honor to have you on. We always learn so much. And I, I want to thank you for all, all you've done to help Justin News understand this very complicated story. Sure. Thanks for having me. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. Grateful you can join us today. Hey, a lot of people keep asking, and by the way, we're going to have him on the TV show tonight. Tim Stewart, the head of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association, the creator of the Hands Off My Stove project, which allows everyday Americans to join together to tell the United States government, to tell state governments, to tell local governments, you want to keep your gas stoves, you want to cook on your gas stoves, that you don't want regulators in any part of government telling you what you can do in your kitchen. Well, handsoffmystove.com is where you go to sign up, get part of this. You spend a small fee, I think $12 a year, $1 a month to join an army of like-minded Americans to fight this issue. Because it's more than just about the gas stoves. About It's about what say you're going to have in your own domain, your home domain. And I think a lot of people are beginning to wake up the extent that government is beginning to dictate aspects of our life, including what appliances we might have in our home come of the future. Those are all very important things. And of course, 
If you want to join that effort or learn more about it, you can watch the show tonight, Just the News, No Noise, on Real America's Voice at 6 o'clock. Or go to handsoffmystove.com and go check things out. That's a really great opportunity. A lot of Just the News readers are going there and signing up and getting involved. All right, folks, that wraps it up. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Until then, God bless you and God bless this extraordinary country of the United States, as he always has. I'm so grateful you listen. Good night. We'll be back tomorrow. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews.